Welcome to the Falling Skies cast, the first podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Welcome back to the Falling Skies cast. This is Jimmy in Georgia, your host, as always. And so we're going to be back again here once again. Today, as I record, is July the 6th, and I do hope to have this um, particular episode up and ready to go today, but you never know. And then I started recording on the 3rd the other day with that second episode and didn't get put up to the 4th, so we'll just see if I can finish recording, and then if I have time to edit and get it posted. So we are back once again. This is the, hopefully, will be the third in a row of the last three days. So this is your daily source for Falling Skies at least for a few days. And uh, we're here to talk about episode number four, At All Cost. And uh, we've got our five moments to talk about. We've got some pop culture references. Definitely got a couple of historical references to get into. And then we've got a little bit of feedback and our Pope quote of the week to wrap us up, just like we pretty much like to do. And so we are moving forward. And at this point, if we can get this episode posted today, we would be one episode behind. Now, granted, tomorrow, on the 7th, episode 6 would be released, and so we'll be two episodes behind again. But hey, we're getting closer. We were, a week ago today, we were four episodes behind, so not too bad, I guess. All right, so, <laughs> Falling Skies, Season 3, Episode 4, At All Costs. And as we've mentioned these last few episodes, as we're trying to get caught up, we're skipping out on our what tended to be a pretty detailed recap, we're going to ride into our Falling Skies 5, our top five moments of the week. And these aren't necessarily in any chronological order, just in order of what I believe to be importance. And you may disagree, and I always, always start to tell you. Feel free to contact us if you do. And uh, we're going to hit a little musical number, and we'll be right back with our top five moments from At All Cost. All right, my number five moment for this week. Last week's episode ended on a high note for me where they, I say last week, whatever. Episode three ended on a high note for me last week with the family moment with the choir, boom, beamers attacking, explosions and stuff. Well, we see the the remaining part of that battle here at the beginning of this episode, and we do see the Volm Tech in action. Very nice little display of their, I guess, some sort of a heat-seeking rocket thing they shot i don't know exactly how to describe it i don't think they did but um that was cool they shot down a couple beamers and we got the numbers actually that they killed 23 skitters eight mechs and 17 beamers which is pretty good and and so at least far as we know that kind of clears their little region out for from what the bowman heard they were going to bring everything they had left in the region to attack them so as far as aliens go the region should be safe um, as far as other things, maybe not so much. But yeah, they defeated the Ishvini thanks to the Vom and uh, Catherine. The lieutenant did see this and was uh, impressed enough to um, to call the president, which is going to be something we talk about in uh, one of our other points here later on, as far as Tom and the president. So we're going to move on to my number four topic for this week, and that was the plane crash. That was the end of the episode. We're going to jump from the beginning to the end. And I do think this is important, but I don't think it's the most important thing 
really because we i mean this is falling skies we've seen tom mason abducted by aliens and make his way halfway across the country in a post-apocalyptic setting he'll be okay he's the star of the show not really concerned about that not really concerned about pope bresler maybe he could be dead <laughs> but pope and pope and uh, tom are going to make it We're, we don't have any doubts about that but that will provide some drama and i'm sure they try to make it back to the um, people of, this, of charleston the people of the second mass and so that's going to be fun to look forward to over the next few episodes and then like I said, I don't think that's... It is important, but not plot-wise for the next couple of episodes it's set up. Anyway, we're going to move on into number three. And uh, that's Evil How. And I like Evil How. Evil How is what I was expecting after the end of season two. When that just brief moment of the little probe coming from his eye to his ear. And then he just looks in the mirror all evil-like. And uh, I liked it. It was a nice moment where he saw his reflection where good Hal was talking to bad Hal. And that was something, I mean, as far as like science fiction goes, I don't know where that concept actually originated, but I remember seeing stuff like that in some of the old Twilight Zone episodes. So I've always enjoyed those type of things where there's the, the good version, the bad version of Star Trek with a goatee. You know, you slap a goatee on, on Spock and he's evil Spock or on Kirk, whatever. I, I do like that. So it was a fun exchange. And that really made me question Anne a little bit. Like if, if Hal could see his evil self in a mirror, maybe Anne is compromised and she's seeing these things with a baby because of an implant or some whatever, who knows? And I don't know. And, and the way Anne has access to stuff, we're going to talk about her a little bit more, but getting back to evil, how he took over near the end of the episode. Really? He had uh, relations with Maggie. He, after telling her he was not going to you know turn himself in, and then, at the very end of the episode, it seems Evil How, and I'm assuming an actual harnessed kid, it's hard to tell. At first, I was thinking maybe it was a de-harnessed kid, uh, since they were near Charleston, but I think that was like the kind that uh, that aren't the rebel skitters. I think that was the real skitters with a real harnessed kid, and then uh, they stop Anne. She thinks they're going to take the baby, and Hal comes up from behind to, I guess, stop her from running away. So, you know, Evil How, I'm going to turn over his half-sister to the aliens, maybe. So, okay, I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities. We're talking about Anne's baby, um, and that's going to be number two on my list. So that's a good transition. Anne's baby, you know, what's going on with there? We have the, like, homemade DNA test from Dr. Kadar. We hear that there's this other strand of DNA in, in the baby's DNA that's like a, a vine choking out its life, it sounded like is what he said. We have Anne, obviously at least observing very abnormal behavior, whether it be standing or talking or whatever. And so, you know, I just mentioned with evil how in the mirror, you know, was Anne imagining this? Was this in her head? Or as the DNA would, re you know, the results show that it was a, at least some sort of hybrid or at least something that's been a, you know, attacking the baby, I guess, if nothing else, maybe it's not a hybrid, it's something attacking the baby. Kind of like the harness, almost, maybe. And so there's all sorts of things we get back to this. And I think we've already touched on these. These have been real short episodes. But we know back in season, end of season one, Tom was taken by the aliens. At the beginning of season two, he was released. When he got back to camp, they didn't trust him. Obviously, for like six months, he'd been gone. They did find the little thing in his eye, which I guess is why the thing in Hal moved from his eye into his ear to be harder to locate. But, you know, they I always kept hoping something would happen as a result of his being captured. And it always has seemed that Tom is fine. But perhaps 
something somewhere inside of Tom wasn't fine. And so that when he impregnated Anne, you know, there was something wrong with the baby because of his abduction. Well, whatever they did to his torture, the experiments, the probes, whatever. And so I assume that to be the case. But another thing that really could be the case, since Hal's been around, Hal's been you know, corrupted, been evil, maybe he did something to the baby at some point over the past seven months before it was born. I mean, there's no telling. Hal and, and the Masons are you know very close. They're hanging out with the other all the time. So he could have put something into Anne to drink. He could have given her drugs or an injection. Who knows? I don't know. I, it's just another thing I thought of once we saw evil Hal. And, you know, I guess... Um, I don't know. There's just so many things that could be going on with the baby. And then one other thing with Anne. Anne did some things in this episode where she knocked out Kadar with a wrench. Could have killed him. I, I assume he's not dead, but that's not good. And then she poisoned or drugged um, Laudris. So, I mean, in, in those actions, we could, um, again, suspect her for being the mole. Um, especially with all the inside information she has being Tom's wife and being the president's, you know, the first lady, whatever. So, um... Anne definitely made some bad decisions this episode and was freaking out because of her alien hybrid baby or whatever is going on with that. I love the ending of the show. Not only do we have Tom, Pope, and Bresler in peril, we have Anne uh, about to have her baby kidnapped and then to be continued. I think this is only the second time we've seen to be continued, actually. Now I go thinking back in my mind. But I liked that. It was a great ending for the episode. And um, that's going to bring me over to my number one point for this week. And this isn't the end of the episode. This is kind of the middle of the episode. Tom, after talking with um, Lieutenant Fisher, makes contact over the radio with the president, the real president. And they are actually flown in Pope's plane by Bresler to Keystone. And they go there, and they actually he meets with the president. And there's several things here we need to discuss, I guess, briefly or, or whatever. Uh, obviously, the other humans who aren't familiar and never heard of a rebel skitter or the Volm are very skeptical about this whole thing. Tom and the president talk about this stuff for a while. They go, and they actually do talk to Cochise. And he tells a story about how he's never seen his home, but he hopes his children's children will be able to go there one day because of his fighting against the Ishfini. And so this whole thing, it seems to be going pretty well. And then the aliens attack. And so they blame Tom and his little alien friend there, Cochise, for them being found, being followed. And then we have Cochise being, I guess, taken by the the president and his people and then Tom and his people um, being forced to fly away. And we, we already talked about what happened to them. Uh, I do think this is very important to the to the continuation of the show. It seems, as we've got a little bit of feedback later, this show kind of keeps getting, trying to keep getting bigger each year. You know, it was very localized the first year. It was uh, on the road the second year, so it got a little larger. And now they're in Charleston in this third year. And now they have aliens on their side, even more so than last year. And now they've expanded out and have met another large, formidable force of people, which is good. And so... You know, we've already seen the second mass become part of Charleston, and now that I would assume you know, it all goes well, they'll become part of this network of other rebellious groups out there. And uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see where they go for the rest of this season and on to next season. And I still, I don't know that it'll ever happen, but I would like to see them go off planet at some point. I think that would be awesome. Even if it's just for a brief amount of time, I'd love to see like Pope and Tom and Weaver inside a Volm spaceship flying through space going somewhere. 
It'd be great. But I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I think that'd be cool. But anyway, that would be my number one point this week is Tom meets up with the real president, which hopefully will bring them into alliance with the rest of the human resistance out there in America. So be cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our Following Skies 5 for this episode. We're going to try to get into a few other things really quickly. And again, like I was saying, I'm trying to keep these episodes short. These first few, anyway, as we get, try to get caught up. So far, they've been around 26 to 27, 28 minutes, somewhere in that time frame, um, which isn't too bad. I don't think if we're trying to be kind of in a rush. And so, anyway, we're going to hit a, a little music, and we're going to get back over here in just a moment to talk about some pop culture. Alright, well, a few things here we're going to get into really briefly, as we've said. The first thing, real fast, Pope had a 1935 Beechcraft, which was his little escape plan, which makes a little bit more sense that we've talked about, or maybe we haven't talked about, but as they, in the show, Pope and his buddies have talked about getting away, going to Mexico somewhere. Having an airplane makes it a little easier, and apparently Pope was trying to read a, a manual on how to fly that thing. Beechcraft is an aircraft company that's been around really since 1932, and uh, found about Walter Beach, and he's had civilian aircraft, military aircraft, all sorts of things. Um, you know, obviously, when it was him, and then as just a company, it's gone on, and it's even still around today as an independent company. So, anyway, Beechcraft's an old airplane. I don't know much about airplanes, so I think we're going to move on to the next one. The one we're all f- familiar with, if we've never been there, we've seen on TV and whatnot, Grand Central Station. Technically, it's actually Grand Central Terminal, but everyone always calls it Grand Central Station. It is at 42nd Street and Park Avenue up in Midtown Manhattan, and they're in New York. New York. Town's so nice. They named it twice. And, I mean, what's there to say? It's huge, it's pretty, and what millions of people go through there every single year. And so I think that's all we're going to mention. Just, you know, it was a quick little mention by Dr. Kadar, and we'll move on from there. Ben and Matt are talking, and Matt quotes a famous, oh, I guess he's famous, I've never heard of him before this episode, but uh, a famous advisor of FDR, and Ben asks if he's talking about Dr. Seuss, and Dr. Seuss, I feel like we might have mentioned on the show before, he was actually Theodore Seuss Geisel, American writer, poet, cartoonist, um, known for all his imaginative, crazy books for kids, with lots of made-up words, you know, Green Eggs and Ham, Cat in the Hat, Oh, the Places You'll Go. There's a million of them out there. Well, not literally a million, but the Lorax, very popular. I'm, I love this stuff as a kid, and uh, I'm sure most of us most of us did, probably. So Dr. Seuss, another quick reference. And then, too, the president says something at one point. We're putting one of these in pop culture, one of these in This Week in History. He says, our um, communication with the other resistance groups is more like Pony Express instead of Federal Express. And obviously, Federal Express has been uh, shortened down to FedEx these days. Federal Express was actually founded back in 1973. Seems a little um, younger than I thought it'd be. Actually, if you really, I don't know. I thought it was older than that personally. But from 1973 until 2000, it was known mostly as Federal Express. Whereas since then, they have shortened that up to the, I guess, almost abbreviational version of FedEx, and uh, that's what we um, know and. Maybe love, maybe hate. It is, uh, you know, the main competitor with the UPS. 
here in America, really, as far as package deliveries or whatnot, the United States Postal Service seems to be, you know, not doing too well versus, you know, these two companies that seem to be doing quite well. And, I don't know, FedEx, UPS, whatever, I don't care. Whoever's cheapest is all I care about when I'm shipping something, for the most part. So, anyway, that's going to wrap up our brief pop culture moment here. And then we're going to move into our This Week in History segment just after this little music that we're going to play. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's it's too it's, short it's of too time. Short time. 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 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just take a little time. Time is ticking away. All right, well, I have three things to talk about here in our short little This Week in History segment. One thing that they talked about when Tom went to go meet the real president, I think Weaver talk, mentioned the summit meeting. And um, I guess it's kind of a, a more of a generic term, maybe, just for heads of state meeting. But when I think of summits, personally, growing up as a child in the 80s, there were a lot of summit meetings with, uh, at least it seemed like it as a child, between... President Reagan and Gorbachev, and, and maybe those don't even count as as real summits. Who knows? But it seemed like that. I heard about those a lot of times. And then we also still have the um, the G eight summits, the G twenty summits, and so there's definitely you know lots of these type meetings where big heads of state get together, these governmental leaders, and talk about stuff. And it is usually. Um, uh, media circus and all those things these kind of days. But anyway, just thought I'd mention summit meetings since that was brought up quickly. Um, Bernard Baruch, I guess I'm saying that right, was, was mentioned by Matt and he quoted him. He was an American financier, a stock investor, a philanthropist, a statesman, and obviously, as Matt said, a consultant or an advisor um, to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And apparently he's pretty well known too for some of his... Uh, his quotes. So, I mean, I started just typing his name into Google, and one of the things that showed up was his name with the word quotes following that. So, he apparently has some good things to say. So, if you're interested in some maybe good quotes, check out Bernard Baroque. All right. Now, also, Pony Express. We mentioned that just a moment ago in our pop culture segment. There actually was a TV show about this not too many years ago. Um, well, actually, it was a pretty, pretty good while back. But, anyway, um, Pony Express only lasted 18 months but it's still even even today it's still you know talked about it's still famous which is kind of interesting it was only around from april of 1880 to october of 1861 so not long at all and really this was before the telegraph and so once that came along i guess that kind of put them out of business as far as getting messages across you know great distances at a, at a quick amount of time but they basically would send messages or mail from st joseph missouri over the Great Plains, over the Rocky Mountains, and the Sierra Madres to Sacramento, California, by horseback. And I guess, you know, one guy would ride so far, they meet the next guy, he rides so far, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, that's the basic premise. And I guess that's going to wrap up our really brief This Week in History moment. And uh, we've got a couple things to talk to you guys about in our feedback section right after this um, little musical number. Right, Gary over on the Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash Pony Skyscast. Gary says, watch the show and it still blows me away. Good job, hope to keep it up. All right, so, all right, Gary, thanks for that. And then also over on Twitter, got a 
a couple things I want to mention real fast as we try to mention each and every time we do this. You can uh, find us over on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash the falling skies. I did have a message from Adam over on Twitter at A.E. Ruder on uh, the Twitter says, um, enjoy the last pod- latest podcast. Keep up the good work. That that was on June 30th. That was after the first episode. And I said, thanks. Glad to know people are listening. What do you think of Falling Skies so far this season? And uh, he responded, liking it for the most part. One thing about Falling Skies that I have enjoyed is that each season has been different. I miss the second mask group, but it is logical that the show's scope would widen this season given the alliance with the Vohm. And so thanks, Adam, for your comments. And if any of you out there want to share your comments with us, we'd be glad to have those. Again, that is twitter.com forward slash the falling skies or at the falling skies whatever however you'd like to find us there and so i guess real quick we'll just tell you how you can get in contact with us and then we're going to play out with our pope quote of the week like we like to do but you can contact us uh like we've just mentioned facebook facebook.com forward slash falling skies cast twitter.com forward slash the falling skies you can email us at falling skies cast at gmail.com can visit our website falling skies cast.com that has all of this information and more. And uh, if you know if you forget something, you want to. Hey, what was that phone number? Fallingskyscast.com. It'll show you what it is right there. And that phone number that I was just about to mention. You can call us or you can text us, and that is at seven seven three three five skies seven seven three three five seven five four three seven. Um, like I, I think I mentioned this most of the time. We are also on Get Glue and on. Uh, Google Plus, don't really use those that much, but that is out there for you if you're on those. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes. There's also an RSS feed there on fallingskiescast.com if you need to subscribe in some other way. And that's okay if you do. Uh, all right, well, that's pretty much all the ways you can get in contact with us. And we would definitely love to hear what you've thought about these first four episodes. And hopefully we'll be back relatively soon. We'll talk about episode five of season three. And then see if we can't get caught up and so that will be fun all right well this has been the fourth episode of season three of falling skies we've been discussing at all cost and this is jimmy and georgia peace it's time for the pope quote of the week let me get this straight the so-called government of charleston sc is commandeering my personal property for unknown reasons for an unknown length of time is that it pretty much yes well, that has the sickening ring of tyranny, don't you think? A good citizen would have gladly told his government representatives that he had an aircraft and then willingly made it available. That airplane is my ticket out of here when everything goes to hell, as it most certainly will. You don't even know how to fly the plane, Pope. I'm reading a book. I've been thinking.